Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here and on this week's show I'm interviewing James Martin who's best known online as Made by James. But before we jump into that I want to give a shout out to FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. For those not aware, FreshBooks is a cloud-based accounting software designed for us creative professionals. How awkward is it to ask, have you seen my invoice? It's really cringeworthy to do, but when you send your invoice through FreshBooks, you'll find out when your invoices are opened, if at all, and then it will send automated follow-up emails for you. There's loads of great features like this in FreshBooks, so it's worth checking out for yourself, and you can do that with a free 30-day trial. Just head to freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek, making sure to enter logogeek in the how did you hear about us section. So this week on the podcast, I'm joined by James Martin, who you may know as Made by James. If you're not familiar with his work, you definitely need to go and check out James's Instagram feed, which is how I first came across his work. He shares some super cool logo sketches that explain the idea behind the uh, logo along with construction lines. These are super inspiring to see and it's the, the main reason why I wanted to get James on to learn how he works on these. I mean, does he create them after designing the logo as a cool way of presenting work on Instagram? Or is it all part of his design process? In this interview, you will find out the answer. Aside from his personal brand, Made by James, James also runs his own design agency, Baby Giant, in collaboration with a developer friend. So in this interview, we learn how this all started and how the collaboration works. This interview was a lot of fun to do and we could easily have spoke for several more hours. So I hope you'll enjoy this as much as I did. So let's get into it. Here is the interview with James Martin. So you run your own agency, Baby Giant, and I understand that prior to that you worked for a company yes can we discuss those early days what what was it that you was doing at that time and what made you start your own thing oh going back in time so um <laughs> um yeah so basically when I was I was actually at uni at the time and um yeah this must have been like mid early mid 20s um say so at uni and was had a little part-time job at a local cafe just to kind of bring some money and all the rest of it. And um, one of the guys who used to come in uh, knew a guy who had a design agency and I was obviously seeing the guy quite a lot. And they basically said, you know, you know, maybe I'll go and chat to them. And they kind of set me up, a, you know, the opportunity, you know, but before that, no knocking on doors, getting nothing. But I always wanted to kind of get into that kind of yeah, it's better to make money in an industry that I wanted to make money in or yeah. even get the experience than anything else. So, yeah, basically I um, went and just took them my old big old A3 black portfolio <laughs> that we always used to walk around with back in the day. Uh, I say back in the day, like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sure you know them well, yeah. And, um, yeah, and so basically just kind of, 
kind of fell into it a little bit. My maybe my work was extremely average, um, but they obviously because I, I used to do basically I wanted to be an artist before I wanted to be a designer. So I had a lot of sketches, right. illustrations, um, not a huge amount of design based work. But yeah, I just went in there for a very quick interview, you know, half an hour, bing bang bosh, and it was like, well, yeah, do you want to come in once a week? And then that kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. So obviously, I was doing that as I said during my university years. And, um, yeah, I kind of started off as I basically did everything, you know, and nothing well. <laughs> In, well I, I think I think that's how it is. You know, when you start out as a junior, yeah, I know you said that your work was average and stuff like that. But when, because um, I've been in the in the position where I needed to hire um, people, when when you're looking for a junior, in general, uh, from a skill set point of view, most are not great but you can generally see some raw talent and some enthusiasm and they obviously saw that in in you and um thought they'd get you in early which is good (laughs) yeah I mean as I said it was I mean I learned you know I learned more in six weeks of working in that environment than I did in you know two and a half years of of university I mean it's it's very you know I, I would never diss education or university because I did it and I've, I've had quite a good experience I think it teaches you good things like sticking to timelines and having to hand in projects on time and all these kind of things so that kind of time management side um, I think it helps a lot um, but you know there's nothing better than real world clients real world experiences you know and the agency was doing some pretty for it's quite a small agency and it was doing some pretty cool stuff and, and lots of different stuff as well lots of web lots of print lots of so i was doing like photoshop i was a rubbish web designer rubbish photoshopper rubbish illustrator <laughs> rubbish logo designer but i got to do so much stuff um and i think that's really yeah, kind of really helped me to explore and you know all that kind of exploration in those early years has obviously helped me figure out what I like doing, how I like doing it, and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, I'd never – I said I really enjoyed the time there. But, um, yeah, it just got to that stage where you just think, now's the time. Now's the time mm-hmm. to move on. Mm-hmm. So you started off in that position. It was just one day a week. Yeah. And then I, I guess it went to a full-time position eventually. Yes, yeah. So it started off, yeah, I say, once, one once a week, and then it was a couple of days a week. So basically, part time, I would say. So maybe, yeah. obviously, I was doing uni as well. So there, what had to do, yeah. had to juggle that a bit. Um, so yeah, I was in there two, one day, and then it was two afternoons, but maybe on an after Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, and then I think that kind of went up to three days. As you know, my I kind of balance was able to balance my yeah. uni work in the evening and then work during the day because you didn't have to be in university all the time you only had to be in there for uh tutor, uh, tutor um what do yeah. you call them things or i don't even know what they're called anymore <laughs> that's, that shows you how much i listened <laughs> um, um but yeah so basically um yeah obviously when i left university i just approached them and said um you know i'd be really interested in kind of working full time um uh, but obviously if you can't if there isn't the space for me i'm going to you know, go and I was, I was very transparent with them. I was like, I want to be a full-time designer. Um, if I can't do it here, I'm going to go and, you know, 
I wasn't giving them an ultimatum at all. I was just telling them how it is. And luckily they kind of had a chat and a few days later said, you know, we'd like to kind of take you on. Um, Yeah. I ended up being there for about five, about five years, which Mm -hmm. was, which was quite cool. It was a fun, fun journey. Yeah. And it sounds like in that position, you was given the opportunity to work on pretty much everything so it wasn't just branding it sounds like it was web it was print-based stuff it was pretty much any design related thing that that company needed it it came to um you and I I guess there was a team of some kind there yeah yeah so I was yeah I was one of I mean we had I think at, at the strongest time we had I think it was close to 10 people in there. Uh, so it wasn't a yeah. huge agency. It was, um, you know, fairly fairly small in comparison to a lot of agencies. Um, but then obviously in 2008, wasn't it? Yeah, the economic crisis hit and then it went down to like a team of five. Um, and then it just kind of shrunk a bit and then shrunk a bit more. And that's when it was kind of time to time to move on you could see things weren't going too well you know right. so it was just kind of like run away <laughs> right right so uh, that yeah, that kind of answers my next question because yeah. I know that you eventually ended up building baby giant yes. which is your agency now yeah was the main reason you left because they wasn't doing very well and, and you thought that you'd be better off or, or was was that always the plan I mean, could you talk a little bit more about why you eventually went ahead to create your own thing? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I'd always wanted, I'm I'm pretty, well, I'm pretty self-motivated, very driven. um, And I always wanted to have something by myself. um, But at the time, it kind of fell on the, it was a stage where the company wasn't doing great. Um, you know, I was kind of going for job interviews at the same time, you know, while still working there, just trying to you know, going for like proper designer jobs and not being a proper designer. And I mean, but that experience alone, like the amount I learned from going to interviews, knowing I wouldn't get them was, you know, I've kind of held some of that information forever. You know, that's kind of helped me mm-hmm. grow and stuff. Um, but yeah, it just kind of got to that stage, you know, I was, uh, so what would I have been? I would have been 26, 27. Um, and it was one of those, situations where it was if I don't do it now I don't think I'm gonna do it you know because what will happen is I'll get into another design job and then from there I'll probably be there for another five years to ten years and by that time you know who knows you know but I'm always kind of thinking forward I was thinking probably mortgages probably wife you know possible family and it's very difficult to obviously then once you're you know to take that I thought you know it's better to take that risk now while I've got none of that and then and then run with it and give it a couple of years. And then I can always, if it doesn't go so well, you know, go and find another job uh, or go and get another agency job. But I didn't, I felt that for me, if I didn't do it, then I probably would never have done it. If that makes sense. I might, yeah. but again, I mean, who knows? You can't predict the future. Maybe if I, you know, maybe I could have done that. Maybe I would have done that, but that was where my brain was at the time. It was just, Right, do it now, James, or never do it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, luckily I kind of bit the bullet. And I say it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. I didn't make a huge amount of money for the first couple of years. And I actually started it with my with a good friend, Aidy. So he does all the kind of web based development and all that deep deep deep, i I basically say i do all the stuff you see he does all the stuff you can't see so he does all the clever stuff um and obviously i do all the creative branding um you know general 
the, as I say, the stuff you can see. Um, so yeah, we as I say together, we didn't really make a huge amount uh, for the first couple of years, and then you know, a couple of clients led to a couple more clients, and then it just started to you know really snowball. Um, and you know, get, well, we we're still working with clients now that we picked up. 10 years ago um which is which is awesome so um yeah it's um i mean i absolutely love it you know kind of being able to you know not so much in the beginning it was kind of take everything and do it you know even if the money's not right just do it to be getting working you know so just so you're busy and just so you keep them busy uh but now it's kind of a slightly different scenario where you know we can kind of pick and choose um you know based on you know, the project itself, you know, whether we find interesting, you know, we don't, we don't tend to kind of do multiple things. You know, for example, like we were chatting a minute ago about my wife's uh, um, veg box delivery service kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. um, we've had a few more come to us and say, well, can you build us this, build us that? And we're like, no, because we kind of done that. We kind of want to do other things, you know, you don't want to kind of regurgitate work or, but or even like on the other flip side of it, break relationships with people who do the same thing, because that's the yeah. other that's the other way of looking at it. So um, yeah, it's really fun. I said, I mean, I love my life, mate. I can't complain whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good news. It's good news, isn't it? Yeah. You know that you you mentioned about that transition. So you, you left that job and then you started your own thing. Yeah. Um, I know that's quite a risky thing to do. I've, I've recently done that myself, but I'm in a totally different situation by the sound of it because I do have a mortgage. I do yeah. have a daughter. I didn't mean to I've scare got, you. I've got all those, <laughs> yeah, all those overheads. So yeah. I had to do it differently. So yeah. I had to build a business on the side. I um, you know, worked on it for a number of years on the side of a full-time job. Yeah. And that meant that when it did come around to cutting the cord, I already had clients. I already had a relatively stable income. I had all the processes set up. Yeah. So in terms of switching, it's it's been good for me because I've just been scaling what was already there rather than having to start from scratch but it sounds like you had to start from scratch what was your position at that time was you living at home with parents or what what was your situation when when you kind of switched the switch and did you do any uh prep work previously or did you just cut the cord and then start things Uh, well yeah so basically um yeah, it was very much that. I mean, obviously, the agency that we had been working for um, did have clients. And obviously, you know, this is another reason because, you know, you're sitting there within this agency, you're doing all the client meetings, you're doing all the work, and you're only getting paid a certain amount of money. You're suddenly thinking, like, why? <laughs> How does this work? Uh, so what we actually did was um, um, took on the clients because I think you know eventually we kind of left and uh, the agency then shut down. So we right. reached out to. I mean, there weren't many clients. Uh, I think there was like two, um, and it's it wasn't a huge amount of work there. You know, a bit of web dev and all the rest of it. Yeah, but yeah. We reached out to them and kind of said, you know, me and me and Ad are kind of gonna carry on and build something ourselves you know we'd we'd happily continue working with you and all the rest of it but you know at that stage you know we were just the kind of young the young bucks and it was from their point of view probably a bit of a worry but a a couple of them did um kind of jump on with us and you know unfortunately you know one of them 
took the Michael a little bit because they knew we needed the work um, and we kind of um, sucked it up and got on with it. Um, but then, if funny enough, that's a, that's a great segue into a story. Basically, they, um, yeah, so we kind of, I'm not going to say any names because that's not the way I do it, but, you know, they took the mick out of us and kind of generally um, drove us into the ground and gave us not a lot of money. Um, but obviously we started to grow and we grew bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and about three years ago, we had an email from them <laughs> saying, um, hey guys, um, you know, we've been watching a journey. We're looking to kind of partner up again, blah, 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 blah. And we had the greatest honor in saying no. <laughs> um, you know, not rudely, but just said, you know, at the end of the day, um, this isn't, you know, I don't think our kind of ethos or, you know, businesses align very well anymore because it's not the kind of stuff we do. You know, we wish you all the best, but, you know, secretly in the background, we were kind of going, yes, got you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. How dare you drive us <laughs> into the ground? But isn't it just so funny? I mean, how they, you know, they're obviously just looking to partner up with another agency or they had another agency and it didn't go well. And then they came back to us and just that, just that, that little kind of being able to high five yourself and go, yeah, that we're obviously doing something right because they came back. Um, and to say no was a was a wonderful thing. It was like Christmas. Um, but yeah, I think I've gone off on tangent. I have. So no, 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 no. It's, it's all it's all relevant, yeah. and we we can go back to some of the uh, bad client stuff later yeah. in the conversation. Of course, yeah. Because um, uh, <laughs> that's something I definitely want to cover because I. I I think that's one of the benefits of uh, when you started out, you obviously was, you had that kind of scarcity mindset where you're taking on everything, but now you're in a good place. You've got clients, you've got all that stability and you can kind of pick and choose uh, who you want to work with and and stuff like that. One thing I did just want to briefly talk about was this uh, partnership that you, you had uh, with a friend. Yeah. I think it's interesting with what you mentioned because, um, and I have covered this briefly on other episodes. When you partner with someone, it's good to have complementary skills rather than conflicting skills, because that's when I think it works best is when you uh, you partner up with someone that can do the things that you can't do or don't want to do. That's so exactly it sounds like it. in your case, you're doing the graphic design and your friend is doing the all the development, all the techie stuff. So yeah. you're basically collaborating. How, how have you been in terms of partnering up with someone and and building a business yeah how have you been managing that are you just splitting it 50 50 and and working the same hours or do you have some clever system in place so that it's mutually beneficial and fair for both of you no i mean it's um i think the only way a partnership can work is if it is a 50 50 partnership um That is, for me, that's the only the only way a, a true working relationship can work. Um, some people might do it differently, but you know and that's 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 fair. Uh, but for me, it has to be fifty fifty. Um, and and like you said, I mean, if we were both graphic designers, both logo designers predominantly, it would probably be a a car crash <laughs> to say to say the least. Um, because obviously we have our own ways of doing stuff. But as you say, I mean we complement each other extremely well because, you know, the fact that somebody will come to like Made by James or Baby Giant to get a logo done and then for them to be able to stay with us and get their print done, their packaging done, their website design done, their 
and all these other things. I mean, it's that it's the it's being able to add stuff. And as you say, I mean, it's doing the stuff. I do the stuff that he ne- doesn't necessarily want to do. Like I'll do a lot of the meetings. I'll do a lot of the creative work. Um, I'll do basically, you know, obviously made by James. You know, that's kind of brought a lot of work into to the studio. Um, but again, he does all the stuff that I don't want to do. So um, he does like looks looks after all the web development. He liaises with all of our developers. He's like project managers all the bigger projects we have going on. He deals with all the account stuff. Obviously we have an accountant and a lady who does all of our invoicing, all that kind of stuff, but he'll, he'll liaise with all the account, all the, basically all the stuff that I don't want to do. Um, and that's why for, for me, it's not about, well, I bring in X amount of money and you don't. I think a, a true, I mean, it's like a marriage, isn't it? You know, you, you, you all have your things you do. Um, and it, the only way it can possibly work is by, by being totally fed straight down the middle where everybody knows where they are. Um, you know, and we also partner, you know, so, you know, we also have other businesses. So we've got baby jump, but we also have other businesses, which we are splitting, you know, fairly 50, 50, um, you know, we have investments in other businesses, which we have an equal share in. Um, so it's, you know, for me, it just makes it sit so much, um, better tummy wise, you know, you can go to sleep, you know, everybody knows who they, what their job is, but you know, everything's split down the middle. Um, cause it, I think it just makes it for a cleaner, a cleaner break, not break, but a cleaner. <laughs> yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Cleaner, uh, business. I think I get the point. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I went off again, didn't I? No, no, no. It's all relevant. It's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. It's uh, great stories. Um, I did actually want to ask you about made by James because sure. I know right so you got baby giant yep I actually found out about about baby giant through made by James yep. which is your Instagram yes I, I don't know if there's more to it than that but that's how I know about you that's how I found about you through made by James so yes. all of the work that you're doing on that even though it's under your name any work that comes in is it all going under baby giant so it's still that 50 50 split 100 percent so yeah so for, for anybody who doesn't know yeah so made by james is like my insta account and funny enough we're actually building a it's kind of got to a stage now where um i'm basically we're, well we're building a made by james site um which is we should be launching you know um next week or so week or two um and it is it's going to be basically a uh, a platform for inspiration for you know young designers um, but obviously there's also if, you know somebody stumbles across it, it's going to have all my logo work on it it's, it's basically just going to be a logo website <laughs> with all of my logos you know sign up to newsletters where you can get lots of free cool stuff um, and just become a part of like a, a community but yeah like you said like everything everything that comes through uh, business-wise through the, that made by James Vessel or the funnel, whatever you want to call it, um, mm-hmm. all gets all gets created by Baby Giant. You know, made by James is just kind of my personal um, my personal account where I share my process on logos and all the rest of it. And I say it brings in a you know a good chunk of good chunk of work, um, but that all gets done under the Baby Giant umbrella. 
Um, so, and yes, everything is split 50-50. Nice. So, so you're essentially treating it as a lead generation platform for That's Baby exactly. Giant. And, and it sounds uh, really cool what you got planned for the Made by James uh, brand. So I'll keep an eye on that. And, and if it's released um, by the time this podcast comes out, I'll definitely link to it in, in the uh, show notes. Cool. Um, that actually leads on really nice to, to, to another thing that I really want to speak about um, during this interview. And that is your Made by James Instagram feed. Sure. Uh, you're sharing so many awesome logo sketches. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I first seen these perfect sketches with notes, I, I assume that you've gone through the whole uh, design process. You completed that logo as a vector. And then afterwards, you've drawn up these sketches <laughs> with notes and stuff like yeah. that, especially for Instagram. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that because it, it, it does look really cool. But... I actually caught a little bit of a YouTube video that you put out like a week ago and I was really surprised and and I, I think I've been proven wrong because it looks like these awesome sketches are part of your design process. So could you talk a little bit more about these because they're so polished, they're so clean, they're so perfect. It almost looks like they are sketches based on um some kind of finalized artwork but I, i'm sure that's not the case so can you talk through how you approach that sketchbook development work that's being shared on on instagram yeah sure um i mean you're not the only one who thinks that the most the amount of people who think it's um all uh all a game is um is quite funny um but yeah. you know it, basically I I grew up as an artist. Um, I was an illustrator. Um, I went into, I did a tattoo apprenticeship. Um, so I, I've always been into that kind of fine art. Um, uh, yeah, I've, basically I've always drawn. I've drawn since I was diddy, diddy, diddy. Um, and I love drawing. I absolutely love drawing. I actually hate computers. So a lot of my process um, is all sketchbook. And I had somebody, was somebody the other day saying, um, why do you take your sketching so seriously? And I was like, well, why do you not take your job seriously? <laughs> and that's basically what it is. I mean, I love trying to perfect, almost perfect um, stuff in the sketchbook because it helps me spend less time on the computer. Um, I could do things a lot quicker on the computer probably, but I don't like them. <laughs> I, I use them to kind of do the final 20%. Um, and it's a, basically, you know, I've started to share a lot more of like the rawer, uh, deeper kind of sketch process. You know, before it was, um, you know, maybe just a final picture. Um, but yeah. now I've started yeah. to share like all the stuff that kind of leads up to that because I'm trying to be more transparent and all the rest of it. Um, and for me, it's just... I I just as I, said, I just love I just love drawing um, and as you said like well my you'll see that it's not all a game by all these YouTube videos I'm about to bring out um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um, but yeah it's um yeah I yeah I don't know what else to say it's just a part it was just a part of the process that I love and funny enough it, you know obviously when I'm kind of going through my process for clients for clients now I basically make sure you know i'm obviously because i do share a lot of stuff on instagram you know i make sure i'm drawing it with it so i've got a big a3 sketchbook and i make sure that it's in a square shape if that makes sense so then i can you know obviously 
I don't know if it's the right word, but regurgitate the content. So as I'm going through the process, like doing my word mapping or doing my simple sketches, I'm always making sure it's in a squarish format so I can just take a picture of it as I go. So, you know, I've got, let's say, 15, 20 more projects that I can share and I've got them all in folders because I've, I've already created all that content. It's not like I'm mm. creating the content for Instagram. I'm creating it for my clients, but then I get to share it on Instagram, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're basically, re- yeah, you're able to repurpose that content. It, it's an interesting way of working because I never really thought about it. So all of the development, all the planning work, all of the stuff that you are getting paid for by clients, you're... Yep factoring in that it could be repurposed on instagram so just doing everything on square pages so that you can do that yeah that's exactly (laughs) it i mean they're paying me to create content but they're paying me they're paying me to create content (laughs) for them and i mean that's then i mean that process i mean you'd be amazed because obviously i offer you know all my clients and stuff i offer them you know so when i send my um basically my process is i create one um and we might go into that a bit further but I kind of send them my sketches and they they love they love the sketches they absolutely love them because it's where I kind of break down my thought patterns it's where I kind of um yeah make my little notes around them and you know it's all yeah I think it's my point is it's amazing how many people kind of come to me through Instagram and go I love your process they don't say I like your logo design. <laughs> they go, I love your process. Um, so, and you know, that, that's how they kind of want to work and they can see the, the ideas and how the thoughts come up and all the rest of it. So although it's, you know, probably a bit of a pain in the ass to do for other people, I actually love that drawing process and you know kind of doing a rough sketch and then tracing over it and making it neater then tracing over it and making neater and then basically like layering it and layering it up until it's almost perfect and I can spend like two minutes in Illustrator bing bang bosh and I'm done. I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. As creatives, we like to spend our time designing logos and brand identities, but a lot of us spend more time than we'd like doing admin work, like creating invoices, chasing payments, logging expenses. And that's where FreshBooks can help you. It's an accounting software designed for creative professionals that will save you time. For example, you can create branded, professional-looking invoices in as little as 30 seconds. You can set up credit card payments right from those invoices too, meaning that your clients can pay faster. And when it comes around to tax time, you can export out tidy reports for expenses, invoice details, and sales tax to make working with an accountant really simple. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial. To claim that, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek, making sure to enter Logo Geek in how did you hear about a section. Now let's get back to the interview. We've spoken about what you've done for Instagram, which is obviously a yeah. point in your process. And you you briefly uh, kind of went over a part of your process. Would you be able to talk through how you typically work on a project from start to finish? Because I think it would be good to uh, help people understand 
what happens prior to those nice fancy sketches that I believe that you're presenting to clients and then what happens yeah. after that as well? So um, so from client discovery to concept, basically, um, so the client will approach me um, via either Instagram, website, LinkedIn, Dribble, or where, wherever it's going to be. Um, I ask them to supply a brief um, and then obviously I can look at the brief and that gives me an idea of whether, you know, it's going to be the right project that suits my style um, or it's a project that I kind of want to do. Um, and obviously I make sure I, you know, there's certain things I don't do like tobacco companies and all these kind of things. So I just make sure that it's kind of, I mean, 99% of the time they're all good, but um, you know, there's always one that you just think, Oof, I don't think this is going to be for me, maybe because they don't like, maybe the, because you know, my general style is pretty clean and, and minimal, but if they want to come to me for a uh, a more 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 like a caricature or like an EA Sportsy kind of logo, I kind of say that it's not really my kind of thing. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. and obviously we talk pricing, and then if the pricings are all good, um, we then uh, jump on a call um, prior to the project starting. Um, you know, basically I asked for a mood board from them and I said the brief. So when we're on the call, we're kind of looking through the, um, you know, I'm talking to them through the brief and I'm talking to them through the mood board and just making sure that, you know, what they're showing me and telling me is accurate. Um, basically just trying to make sure, you know, because, you know, we've all been there, I'm sure, where we don't do enough um, due diligence in the beginning and you get halfway through a project and they're like, what's this? You know, and you're going, well, you know, and you, it's probably because you haven't done your discovery process well enough. Um, so, yeah, so once we've kind of okayed all of that, um, um, I then go straight into a, a sketch process and basically from, so I do like super rough sketches in my notebook, then super rough uh, sketches after my word mapping process and the reason I like doing word mapping is it's just, um, I mean, you can see there's stuff on my Instagram and there will be stuff mm-hmm. on YouTube eventually that you can see about this. So, um, but basically for the word mapping process, I get the brief, I print it out and I just read it three or four times. Um, and then what I'm doing here is I'm trying to, I'm circling and looking for possible ideas for creative direction and um all that kind of stuff so i'm you know highlighting interesting words i'm highlighting what they do and all these kind of bits and pieces um and then what i do is i use all those bits i've highlighted as like headers on like a big word map and then i kind of associate words with those words and that's when all that kind of cool creative stuff starts to happen um Try and yeah, so basically, I'm starting to kind of build a creative path. Um, and what I I don't personally, from my process point of view, I I present one idea. Um, I don't present three or four. Uh, my theory is I prefer to put my full ass into one idea rather than half ass a load of ideas. Um, the way I kind of, I know I know that's not the same for everybody, and we all have a different process, which I think is wonderful about the industry is because everybody does it differently. Um, but the way I like to work and how I think I can get all this goodness and kind of story into the logo is because I can fully concentrate on making sure I execute that one one design perfectly. Um, and so basically what I'll do is I'll, 
as I said, I kind of, so I've done my word mapping. I know where my ideas are going to be. I then go into a super rough kind of sketching process where, um, you know, I'm starting to kind of pull those. So from that word map, there's probably, I like to choose like two or three elements that I think I can visualize without overcomplicating the logo itself. Um, so once I've done that, I say go into that sketch process and then I go into like at that refinement stage where I'm kind of sketching, sketching better, sketching better, gridding up, sketching better. Um, and then when I have it, you know, pretty much down um, on my in my sketchbook, I then take it into Illustrator, um, vector it up and all that stuff. Um, and then I start to just, you know, mock it up nicely, you know, kind of present it in a way you know, so based on based on the company, if it's a brewery, I'll start putting it on cans and bottles and crates. And, you know, if it's a, um, you know, an apparel company, I'll start, you know, like an athleisure wear, for example, I'll start showing it on, you know, ladies leggings, you know, I was kind of painting a picture for them. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I think it's the best way to sell a logo. Um is to show it working. Um, I, I, I personally don't, because I mean, basically it's our job to kind of imagine what well, I think it's my job to kind of imagine it working and show them it working and how it can be used and it's different applications and how versatile it is. And, you know, sometimes when you just show a black and white logo to somebody, they're like, Oh, it looks, yeah, it kind of, it could be the best logo on the planet, but they cut, they, they can't visualize how it's going to work so it might not get over the line for example yeah yeah i i always say to clients uh that it's important to see how that logo looks in situ because you never see a logo on a white piece of paper you always see it on a business card or on products or on a website or a, a vehicle or whatever and um, even for yourself as a graphic designer, I find it so helpful to see how that logo looks when you actually apply it to a real life situation. And there's been times when I've made tweaks just to improve um, how it looks, because like I said, you never see it on a white piece of paper. So yeah, why on earth exactly. would you present it in that way? So I think that's one of the most important things to uh, when it comes around to presentation is to mock up how that logo could look in in the real world oh a hundred percent and you know it's also and it it makes it it, 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 as i said it will take a logo that you know i mean you might have if you if you showed a great logo on black and white and you showed a great logo mocked up on a business card that business card will sell it (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah you know and, and the flat black and white you know might not sell it um within the mock-ups or within the kind of presentations i send i do mock it up in black and white i then if we're using color i mock it up showing them in color with the color tones and stuff like all the colors i've chosen as well as the mock-ups they can see it flat you know um but it's very rare that as you say you're seeing it flat front on black and white it's usually an angle and as you say that's probably why that you've you know, in some of your logo designs, you might have tweaked it because you might have seen it at an angle and thought, oh, maybe that gap's too small or maybe if I'm going to be embroidering it or, um, you know, foiling it, for example, that gap's too small and it, the, it will bleed. So you start to kind of, as you say, I mean, I've done exactly the same. You think, oh, is that, 
maybe I need to just widen that gap a bit for this application because I know that's what they're going to use it in. So, um, yeah, and I always I always think it's a right to, you know, you obviously do your general mock-ups like your business cards and, you know, maybe a letterhead and maybe some signage and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, making those mock-ups applicable to the industry as well. So, as I say, if it's a if it's a coffee roasters or, you know, a cafe, you know, mock it up in that kind of scenario, coffee bags, mugs, all those kind of weird and wonderful places that they're actually going to be using it on. You know, there's no point, you know, showing them something that they're not going to be using on, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. This actually reminds me of um, a story I read in a book a few days back. Uh, I finally got myself a copy of Identity, uh, which is a book from okay. uh, Chamayaf and Geismar and Haviv. And, and in there, there's a story of how uh, when they pre- when they presented the uh, tennis logo they did, I, I think it was like US Open. Yeah. Uh, they, they first presented that logo and the client seen it on a white background and they wasn't actually sure about it. But, but the moment they uh, started to see images of that Lego in use, they absolutely loved it. Uh, for example, they were seeing how it looked on, uh, on, on a, you know, in single color on a tennis ball, how it looked on uh, billboards, uh, how it looked, how it worked as a social media yeah. icon. And um, because of that, the, the client really started to get it and they loved it. And uh, um, so it can definitely make a big difference presenting it in this way. And yeah. it doesn't take long to uh, it, it doesn't take long to create these images either. Yeah. Um, like you can mock them up in in Photoshop that there's loads of branding mockups that you can get for free online. Or yeah. uh, I use a tool called Live Surface frequently, which is uh, an, an, an extension for Adobe Illustrator. Uh, so it's really easy to do now and uh, it makes a, a massive difference. Well, I mean, that's also I mean, that's why I sometimes feel that. You know, I mean, we've seen a lot of redesigns of logos recently of big companies. And, you know, you see a lot of stuff that the pentagram uh, legends, I like to call them, are doing. Um, And people are so quick to go, oh, it's rubbish. Oh, it's this. I prefer the old one and blah, 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 blah. But then, but they're not they're not thinking, you know, there's a reason why it's been done. You know, you, know, you can take the you know, Formula One, for example, their, mm-hmm. their rebrand they did, uh, I think it was last year, wasn't it? It's fairly recently anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, people like, oh, I love the old one, oh, the heritage, oh, this. But what they did, and, you know, I've, I've read an article about it somewhere and the reasonings behind what they did, and they showed it working in situ, you know, <clears throat> on all the on everything, you know, Formula One, you know, on the barriers, on the signage, on, the, you know, everywhere. And you just think it's genius. You know, <laughs> there's, a, there's always a reason why these things are done the way they are. And it's usually for how they're going to be used, um, you know, especially in this kind of new online digital world as well. I mean, you know, I, there's, I mean, I think I just, it's basically my theory is don't slag off a logo before you can really well a if you don't understand what the brief was <laughs> you know yes you obviously you're going to have a personal opinion which you're more than entitled to but just saying a logo is rubbish because you prefer the old one isn't good enough for me <laughs> if that, yeah, yeah yeah as a designer it's important to understand what it is they aim to do and the reasons why they made that change and yeah. look at it objectively rather than 
the stereotypical knee-jerk reaction. Yes, yes, um, yes. I, I do think it's hard with something like F1 or any sports club or anything that's that's of that scale because, oh, like Christ, I know that F1 logo from it's been around for years oh, and donkeys, uh, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's always become like this iconic thing. And um, anyone that's into F1, uh, they would w- they'd be wearing that as part of who they are. Yeah. And suddenly, it's a lifestyle, when you're, it? yeah. yeah, it's a lifestyle thing. So coming in and redesigning that is like I've described it like. Um, imagine if someone came into your house and swapped your sofa for a new swanky <laughs> one that was actually better. Yeah. You're just going to be annoyed because it's like, but that was my sofa. I didn't want it changed. Yeah. I, I liked my, um, my broken one. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the squishy it's side that I sit on. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even though it's better what's there now, you, you just be annoyed, but then give it a few weeks. You'd be like, oh, actually, this is more comfortable. It's newer. It looks nicer. You know, the, the, it, it's, with time, it fits the room better. <laughs> you know, it's you yeah. Know, to say, all oh, the there's a reason why things do get changed is because they need to change. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the yeah. other thing to think about is they're not just doing it willy nilly. You know, oh, I've just fancy doing a rebrand today. There's a reason why they're doing that, and it's because their logo doesn't work for the application that it needs to. Um, so they need to therefore make sure it does. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, we've, we've all been there where we've hated certain bits and pieces. And, you know, when I was younger, I was very much like that. Oh, wow, they do that. But now being a slightly older, grumpier old man, I now totally get why why things are done. Yeah, yeah. And as Michael Beirut says, a a logo redesign is a marathon not a sprint yeah. so you need to really test the success of it over a long period of time um i know one good example is the airbnb logo uh, you know when that came out everyone's drawing all sorts of uh dirty things with that logo and yeah. and everyone like certain body parts but <laughs> fast forward uh, a number of years actually looking back on it that's become a very successful very identifiable uh logo and um i've been fortunate enough to um have seen some of the behind the scenes stats and uh i i know that that launch even though there was a lot of negativity around it it actually performed incredibly well for the business yeah <laughs> Just to the attention it brought to the company and all the conversations that that happened so yeah you really have to look at any of these big redesign projects in the long term not not from on a short-term basis yeah not on a double click on an instagram feed (laughs) yeah yeah we've gone slightly off topic and i want to go back to your process so i know you you pretty much ran through the bulk of the process but there was a couple of things i wanted to discuss in a little bit more detail if you're okay so you mentioned about your clients creating a mood board yeah so your clients doing that do you do you direct them how to put that together in any way no not at all um in fact a lot of the people who do come to me have already collected basically i ask them for to just put a either whether it's a pinterest board i mean when i say mood board it's more just you know, maybe a folder full of inspiration, whichever way you want to yeah. kind of play it. Um, so, yeah, I asked them just to create a, a mood board, inverted commas, um, whatever you want to call those air bunnies. Um, so, um, yeah, so, and basically what I asked them to do is just put together and find, you know, you know, 
designs they like, brands they like, colors they like, and, you know, maybe even chuck some logos in there that they like, you know, because a lot of these people who are starting a business have been looking for designers, they've been looking at stuff that they like. Um, And basically what that does um, is it helps me kind of create like a visual personality um so if they've if they say if they've shown me like five logos that they like the look of you know i know the kind of style that they like the look of and but if they show me five logos that are all different styles i can i can then discuss with them and say you know you've shown me all of these you know what they're all very different which is your kind of direction and basically what this does i find it starts to help me build a picture you know if they show me five logos and they've all got you know serif based fonts you know i'd be silly to show them a logo with a sans serif font do you know what i mean um so basically what it is is it kind of just helps me break down what it is they like the look of you know i always say that i can create you a great logo but at the end of the day you know you have to live with it every single day um it's yours um it's not mine you know i can you know, I'm going to, I'm going to love it, you know, because I don't like to, it's going to go out there with my name on it. So I'm going to make sure it's done extremely, extremely, extremely well. Um, and I always create stuff as if it was going to be for me, um, as well. So, but yeah, so that kind of mood board process, I, I find really helps us to a have something to talk about when we're on a call, because we can really get into that, you know, the not so boring stuff. We can get into the kind of cool stuff, which is looking at cool things and, you know, I can see what they get expi- well, get excited about talking about. Um, I can see what kind of puts a smile on their face. You know, all the and you know, I'm asking them, so why do you like this? And they're talking. Well, I really like how bold it is, and you know, I really like the energy it has. And basically, what I'm doing is I'm making notes, kind of going right, bold energy. You know, so by the time I've even come to, you know, starting that word mapping process, I've already kind of got like an idea of visually where I need to be um you know I've I've tried doing stylescapes um and all those kind of bits and pieces but um for me it just wasn't really just wasn't really fitting into my process very well um and I know a lot of people who do do um, stylescapes and stuff like that which is no problem whatsoever um I said that again that's what I love about this logo process we all have different ways of doing stuff um which is which is cool Mm -hmm. yeah very much so so i I guess for you it's more about providing some sort of clarity as to what their um expectations are something i do want to ask you with with this um uh approach do you ever have the situation where the client wants something for their business but the vision that they have for it seems totally off whack and it seems totally way off for where they should potentially be yeah i mean yeah yeah there's um there are it doesn't happen very often but you know there are some people who you know for example they you know they they want something so it happened recently with a with a clothing brand and they wanted to go like almost like super dark gothic but that was totally against their values, you know, because obviously, you know, when you ask for a brief, I kind of ask them, you know, get some values down. What kind of words would you think that would express, you know, you, you and your company and all the rest of it? And I say sometimes you look at those words and you look at their mood board and they just clash. And that's when I said that's why I always have this call beforehand because that's when you start to discuss and 
break down, you know, some, you know, they might have put that together in a bad mood, you know, you know, they might have not kind of totally understood what I meant by a mood board. Um, so they might have just thought, well, this is what I like, but obviously not thinking, well, this is what my, you know, this is my, um, what my company is. So they kind of don't really align. So yeah, that, I said, that's why that process of that call with the brief and with the mood board really helps kind of, you know, I can start to answer the proper, ask the proper questions then and really get down what it is um, and who they are. Do you know what I mean? And I can say like, this doesn't really kind of emote, your brief emotes this and your mood board emotes this, where, you know, what's going on here? And then they go, oh yeah, you're right. Maybe we need to, you know, go, you know, down a different route. And, you know, then we start to talk about that process. But yeah, there have been situations and, you know, I've had situations where some, one person's written a brief and another person's put the mood board together. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So there's no way, there's no way. And obviously two different people within the company, you know, they have one vision, yet somebody else has another vision sometimes. Um, so I always ask them, you know, put it together, together. Um, so there's no, you know, you've got to tell me what you both like, you know, where where you see your business in five years, you know, what are your values? Um, not personally, but as a company, because I think they're two very different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good that you are uh doing that you know having you that, that that you do have that separate brief yeah and you do have that mood board and that separate conversation because i can see like you said that some clients might just have their vision totally off whack and yeah you're in the position to provide a little bit of clarity and point them in the right direction sure. where you feel it's it's totally off board so yeah that that's really good um the other thing i wanted to speak about was grids yes um and you can see from all of your sketches on instagram and i'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so that anyone can can find it but you're always using some kind of grid system even with sketches yeah can you talk a little bit about that because it's something that everyone asks like how do you grid up a logo how do you use grids do you have any input for those people that question how to go about using them uh, grids are really there for the latter stages of the logo process um you know i you should never i mean i've never used the golden ratio um not purposefully anyway um and so basically i always draw very loosely and the gridding element that comes right at the end of my sketch process is all about balance um it makes you know, I, I like to make sure that things are aligned, you know, gaps are the same, you know, weights of, um, you know, for example, yeah, curves are the same, you know, angles are the same. And, you know, that's, I see, I see so many logos that I look at and I think that angles off and I can see it straight away. Um, and it's just purely probably because they haven't gridded it properly. Um, but I say that gridding process is, is all about um, the detail. Um, and as I said, like making sure that, you know, if you've got three columns, you know, in your logo, making sure that those three columns are the same, um, same width, you know, same height, and they've got the same gaps in between them, for example. Um, and it's, yeah, for me, gridding is more of that kind of slightly perfectionist nature that, you know, I've looked at logos before I've completed them and then they look great. They look absolutely fantastic. But then I start kind of, you know, getting my kind of ruler out and grids out. 
And I realized that there's actually like a bigger gap that my eye hasn't picked it up. So, you know, for me, it's just, a, a, yeah, I don't want to kind of babble on too much because grids are, grids are a very big topic. But, um, you know, it's all about, for me, it's just about fine tuning your design and, you know, making sure that the balance is right, the the gaps are right, the the whips are right, and basically just it's that kind of fine tuning. That that's where the grids really help. And I said they come in towards the end, and I do them in my sketches, and I also do them in Illustrator as well. So um, yeah, it's just that kind of fine tuning process. I'm sure we've all been there where we think a logo's finished, and then you start kind of getting your your grids out and your rulers out on Illustrator and you think, hang on a minute, that that's slightly higher than that. And you think, oh my God, I've already sent it, <laughs> sent it to the client and all the rest of it. So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, grids are that, as I said, just that kind of process of balance and bringing harmony into, you know, your your latter stages of the process and the logo creation. Yeah, I think that's the the best answer that you could give on that because a lot of I guess newbies or people that aren't so familiar with grids, they see all these logos on Instagram that have these uh, kind of circles and lines and all that sort of stuff. I'm yeah. sure you're familiar with them. Yes, I do. Um, them, yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, it's it's important to bear in mind that that they are applied afterwards to fine tune and and perfect uh, that logo. I mean, in, in terms of the process that I personally take, I get my logos like to about 95% and then I present them to uh, my clients. But yeah, that final uh, checking of spacing and curves and all that sort of stuff. I do that at the, at the, at the end, just to make sure that the uh, finished logo is, is perfect and all as precise as it, it possibly can be. And there's been situations where I've completely recreated that, symbol from scratch just to make sure that it's uh all mathematically correct yeah because it's easy to play you know when you're playing with ideas you don't need to worry about the spacing so much you're just trying things out yeah. because when you know this is what it's going to look like how perfect can i make this and it's worth doing because it I, I i think it takes um a logo from that kind of pretty good to extremely good yeah just execution and that's what makes that that major difference and why uh grids even though it's one of those topics that makes some people groan yes uh, <laughs> yeah grids, just applying them makes so much difference oh yeah guys so like, like exactly what you just highlighted there grids are not there to uh control your design and your process they're there to just smarten your ideas up at right at the end <laughs> you know they're not you don't start with a grid and then just start drawing you know so it was, to be fair like sometimes when I do um you know for example I will have you know I quite like logos to have even though they're not in a shape I like them to have a shape so like my made by James icon for example I knew I wanted it to be square so I kind of have a you know when I'm doing my sketch sketches i've kind of got a rough square or with another logo if i want it to kind of be circular i do have a rough circle and then i'm drawing inside the circle because i know that's the kind of shape i want it to be but you know all that kind of fine tuning of you know widths and angles and curves and all the rest of it um happens right at the end because i mean like, like we chatted about you know to the eye it looks perfect it looks great um but it looks great at a certain size on a computer. If you, 
blew that bad boy up and there was a wrong angle and it was on the side of a massive on the side of a wall or something of people's signage that angle would become pretty apparent at quite a big scale but you know at that smaller scale you can't even notice it so yeah like you it's all about that final tweaking and as you say it takes a a perfect logo to a super perfect logo um not that there's such a thing but um you know they it just as i said it's just that it's more like that kind of ocd you know i just want to make sure when it leaves my house to go to somebody else's house it's the best it can possibly be and there's no there's no weirdness in there yeah well we spoke for pretty much an hour so um i really want to ask one more question so what's your youtube video You've, you've got one video out at the moment yes. I, and I noticed that out a couple of weeks ago yeah but there was part in that where you uh was in your studio and I could see you had a very nice uh sketching area yep and you had pots of all these fancy pens and pencils <laughs> and it looked, they're not fancy they're just pens. <laughs> they, look, they look really nice yeah do you have any like special kit special pens that you're using because i know you say that they're not that fancy but it looked like you have had a good decent selection yeah i've been collecting utensils for um (laughs) decades yeah um so yeah i mean my favorite i mean i tend to use rotating pencils mechanical pencils um um for me they just feel right i mean there's loads of brands out there that there's loads of pencils i mean this is another thing i get is like what pencils do you use and what paper do you use and i always say to people just draw it doesn't matter what what it is just do just do something they all do the same thing but you know as you've asked the question i i use like rotaring um pencils mechanical pencils for drawing um usually 0.5 um 0.5.7 um uh, like the black line work, um, kind of, I tend to use microns. Uh, I've got kind of got three that I'm kind of flipping around. So I use one for coloring, one for line work and all the rest of it. So I'm kind of using like the Molotow black liners at the moment. I've got some Faber-Castell artist pens. Um, I've got some microns, Pigma microns that I use. All different, you know, anything from 0.1 to 0.8 um for depending on you know what i'm doing um so yeah i mean i've got my little metal rulers um don't really tend to use a lot of sharpie stuff because it just inks inks for all the paper (laughs) um but yeah just um as i said i mean i don't really pencils definitely rotaring for me um but pens i kind of I'm, I'm a bit like a magpie, you know, if I'm on Amazon or something, I see a cool pen that I haven't seen before, I'll just buy it. I think, oh, I need, I need, to, I need to try it. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, as I said, like for like fine liners, I kind of I generally microns, Molotow and Faber-Castell artist pens I like to use. Um, just because I, I mean, all of my nibs, for example, have got like this massive angle cut out of them where I use to colour them in. So um, you well, use them to colour in some of the logos. And, you know, a lot of artists would hate me for that because I go through go through pens pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's what they're there for. And I think um, one thing worth pointing out uh, I personally use whatever pen, pencil I, I can find to sketch ideas. But I think because of your process and your approach, because you do 
I guess, 95% of the work on paper. Yeah. You need the uh, the extra pens and and the extra tools to uh, to really get it right. But I, to be honest, I personally spend most of my time on a screen in some form, whether it's yeah. my phone, whether it's a television, whether it's my computer. <laughs> yeah. That actually gets away and doing a lot of that work on paper is actually quite nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, that's I draw because I love drawing. You know, I know a lot of logo designers who don't draw and you probably know a lot of logos that don't draw. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's really nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of people who go straight into Illustrator and, you know, rapid prototype by just, you know, creating shapes and then copy and pasting that shape and tweaking it. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, I'd actually say differently because I think one of the benefits of using paper and pen is that you do happy accidents. Yeah. But when... Like say when you draw in Illustrator, you draw and you try to draw a circle. You draw a, a circle, yeah. But when you do it in a sketchbook, it's not quite a circle. And I've had so many times where I've scribbled an idea that I thought was going to be rubbish, and I draw it slightly wrong, and I think, oh, God, there's something to it, yeah. and you suddenly see something that you wouldn't have saw otherwise because of these happy accidents and that doesn't happen in illustrator and the other problem with illustrator is that you can pick out a font add a shape and it looks finished yeah yeah bing bang bosh yeah 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 yeah, it looks straight away so there's no uh development the the work can be too artificial yeah too rushed so personally i mean i it doesn't matter what you use because i know ipads now have things that can replicate pencils but i think that concept of um quickly sketching and throwing things down and and the um you know the the freedom of using your hand paper and a pencil there's so many things that can happen within that yeah uh whether it's those happy accidents or uh just the 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 freedom that it gives you personally i i think it's a mistake to jump straight into the computer just because it's too artificial too perfect it's much better to have that raw energy i guess on on paper but yeah i mean everyone's process is different yeah i I was just trying to be polite (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i I mean as i said i mean that's what i love about our industry and design you know we all do we all have different processes set up you know people always you know sometimes you know, whinge and moan about why do you do this and you know why do you do that and why don't you just do this and that's you know we're all different we're all different humans you know we're all we all I, I mean I think you know I'm like you I get a I get an emotion I think you have there's an emotional attachment to something yeah, hand drawn then yeah, yeah. you know slightly cold and stiff as you say on Illustrator I mean Illustrator is a great tool you know a logo designer needs illustrator everything needs to be vectored or some sort of vector you know software but uh, for me i get to do you know i do say 100 logos a year on average you know that process for me you know i smile all the way through it and i think you know it's always different the journey's always different you know even even if i'm not really you know sometimes when you get up for work and you're not super motivated and you just sit back and think you know i get to be paid to draw today that's not that's not bad you know you know you know life can't be that bad if I'm getting paid to draw and just come up with cool ideas and 
that that say that as soon as I'm in that sketchbook and the music's on, I'm just like I'm in, I'm in for the day, mate. Um, and I said it just goes so quickly. And I was, yeah, I know, I'm the same as you. I've made some of some of my best work has come from slips, accidents, mistakes, like you know, and pe- uh, the the lead breaking, and I slip suddenly, and I think, oh, hang on a minute, that's a, that's that's an interesting way to draw that or angle or whatever um but yeah i mean yeah everybody's process is different and i would i'm like you i would suggest there is a element of sketching within somebody's process whether it be 20 minutes or 20 hours you know but you know you just got to do what works for you at the end of the day i think yeah absolutely well james i know i could keep talking for <laughs> at least another hour I, I mean that hour went quick didn't it <laughs> yeah it did it did I, I mean for listeners I actually wrote down a whole load of questions and I know that there's uh, probably a hundred more things that I could ask and uh, yeah we could talk all day about this stuff but I think we've done one hour and eight minutes based yeah. on the recording um but it's been a really good uh eight one hour and eight minutes so james thanks so much for coming on the podcast i'm sure we'll have to do another episode at a later date because we've got a lot more to talk there about. is a there's always more to talk about mate <laughs> yeah cheers james appreciate you coming on thanks for having me mate thank you very much if you enjoyed this interview as much as i did Do let myself and James know by giving us a shout out on your preferred social media platform. It's always really great to hear from listeners and I know that James will love it too. If you want to learn more about James Martin, first of all, check out his Instagram page, which is at made.by.james. And that's where you'll see all of the fantastic sketchbook work that I've mentioned in this interview. And also head to his agency website, Baby Giant, which you can find at baby-giant.co.uk. I'll also link to all of this and uh, all of James's social media profiles in the show notes for this episode, which includes a transcription of the interview too. So to find the show notes for this episode, head to logogeek.uk forward slash 79. Again, to find the show notes for this week's episode, head to logogeek.uk forward slash 79 and that includes links to any uh, useful resources or books that we discuss in the interview if you're keen to discuss anything mentioned in this interview with me and over 8,000 logo designers from around the world you must join the logo geek community on facebook it's totally free to join incredibly active so you'll get your questions answered the feedback that you need and the support needed to grow and develop as a designer to find that group just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community or just do a search on facebook for the logo geek community and hopefully you will find the group So that is it for this week, but I'll see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.